You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 73. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Gavin Reese, who grew up in the rural American Southwest, eventually moved to the big city with his family, and considers both New Mexico and Arizona home. Gavin is an active uh, police officer, so he has an amazing uh, background uh, as an actual cop. <laughs> I interviewed a lot of uh, crime fiction writers. This is the first time I'm uh, going to in- I interview someone who actually has uh, real-life experience as a police officer. So it was uh, fascinating to talk to him about uh, his background and how he parlays that into his novels. So you can stay tuned for that. Um, Gavin has uh, several series out. Uh, his latest book is uh, The Absolver, which is the beginning of his uh, St. Michael thriller series. And we'll get all into that uh, during the interview. Uh, before that, though, just the, I just want to let you know I'm participating in another book sweeps giveaway. And I uh, wanted to let you know about that. If you go to thrillingreads.com forward slash book sweeps, you can can uh, enter to win uh, over 30 uh, free thrillers, including my own, uh, my latest odd jobs, and uh, as well as uh, an e-reader and some other fun stuff. So go check it out at uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash book sweeps. I appreciate your support. And okay, so here we go. My interview with uh, Gavin Reese coming right up. Hey everybody, this is Alan with Meet the Thriller Author, and on the phone I have Gavin Reese. Gavin, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Alan. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for coming out to the uh, podcast. Can you tell our listeners uh, about yourself? I, I like long walks on the beach and uh, campfires at night. And I uh, I started out um, writing, um, well, I guess probably in uh, like junior high school. But uh, the short, I guess, overview went through a, a few different professions, worked in finance and chemistry and and uh, eventually ended up getting into uh, law enforcement when all my, my cop buddies were having a whole lot more fun uh, at work and, and doing what I thought were vastly more important things than I was. And uh, spent quite a bit of time doing that. And in the last few years, um, I started writing again. I took some time off um, from writing mostly because I simply was too busy being a cop to, to also try to write. And... Uh, got injured at work, actually, and while I was recovering, I started writing a, a novel that it was actually didn't intend it to be a novel. It was just uh, writing mostly for catharsis, and uh, by the end of the thing, it was uh, way too long and way too big, but I was very confident it was going to be published, so I was looking at uh, uh, some options with that, and I write... Um, mostly crime thrillers uh, that are based on my work and experience as a cop, and I'm just starting to get into uh, conspiracy writing, uh, conspiracy thrillers, and um, basically try to bring a whole lot of a whole lot of authenticity to my work based on what I've actually seen and actually done, and and the things that I know that a lot of fiction writers and a lot of Hollywood doesn't really get right with the details. And were you a fan of the of thrillers and mysteries uh, as a reader before you actually started to write them yourself? Yeah, I I grew up my the first novel that I remember being totally enthralled and fascinated with was Tom Clancy's Hunt for Red October. And following that book, um I read thrillers and um some police stuff but mostly uh crime and thrillers. Um 
for I guess the last probably 30 years, and um, I genuinely enjoy the the genres. I like mystery, uh, you know, and it's for me. I I like reading a good mystery and trying to figure out the who done it, and I also like reading a thriller where I know who done it, and trying to you know encourage the uh, the main character to hurry up and figure it out so he can save the day. Um, but yeah, I, I've long been a, a fan of the genres, and I'm I'm really really excited that we've started getting some some very positive feedback on my work, and that it seems like there's at least a couple of folks that I'm not related to who um, who seem to enjoy reading the books too. Yeah, that's always the fun part. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And so now you had mentioned before about um, reading crime thrillers and. You know, you, you, being that you're actually a, a, a cop, a police officer, living that life, uh, is that a, a, I mean, it would be great to have all that information in your head from real life experience, but be, is it a balance to like make it fictional and, you know, suspenseful and then still keeping it like realistic? Yeah, and it's, so that's, um, that, that's a really, really good question and it's a, uh, a, a little bit complicated actually. Um, so I, I get to cheat the system because, you know, where most fiction writers, they have to go befriend a cop or they have to go do ride-alongs or they have to volunteer at a police department to, yeah, to even learn a lot of the inside language or a lot of the things that are very specific to that culture. And I get to skip over all of that. So I also get to write based on my own personal experience of so the cases that I've worked, the trainings that I've gone to, the the things that I and my partners have actually done in real life and, you know, at speed and at risk of ourselves and, and those around us. Um, so I, I get to draw on all that, which makes it a lot faster process, I think, for me to write than, than a lot of fiction authors. But that also means I carry a tremendous burden in doing that if I'm going to try to cheat the system there effectively. I really have to be very cautious and very aware of making sure that I'm protecting the crime victims and that no one who reads any one of my stories should ever be able to pick it up and identify any parts that that they had in in creating the story, uh, whether it's a suspect witness or, or a, a criminal uh, defendant. I don't want anyone to either get, you know, re-victimized by hearing about their story in fiction or some guy in lockup in cell block four getting some kind of notoriety because his crime's been been publicized. So one of the uh, probably the best examples um, so far is the uh, one of the shorter stories I wrote. Uh, it's called Room Number Three. Um, but it deals with some pretty pretty heinous crimes and um, deals with them in uh, – it's a little bit more raw, I think, than than a lot of readers or a lot of folks are used to, used to read and used to dealing with. But I still had to draw a very careful line between what – how can I word this? How can I phrase things to, to make sure the readers understand what's happening and they get the point – they have the emotional reaction I want them to have without them throwing the book down in anger and disgust and, and being so upset by basically the harsh realities of things. And 
you know, so that was actually the first book where I started getting uh, some feedback from readers that the characters swore a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, for, um, you know, for, for me and in my experience, um, I thought it was very, the, the language was very authentic, um, very real, and, and, and is what actually happens in most police departments behind closed doors. Um, but I, I took that, uh, took that advice, uh, that criticism, rather, and put that to work on, on all the future publications that, you know, now I'll, I'll write it as I imagine it or as I, I think it should be or would go in real life, and then I'll go back and, you know, control F and look for all the four-letter words and do a quick count <laughs> and find out how many times I'm subject, subjecting readers to a little bit too much reality. Yeah, that's, that, I always find it so intriguing that it seems readers get more upset over swearing than the, <laughs> than the violence. <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, been a little bit of a surprise. I uh, I didn't expect that to be the criticism, but uh, you know, I'm I'm I am happy to to try to dial that back a little bit. I I think you know as much as I would like to say I'm just going to be completely authentic. Um, you know, the reality is if if no one's if no one's willing to read it, it really doesn't matter. And I'd I'd like someone to someone else to enjoy it besides just my my blood relatives. Yeah, that's a good point. You've got to make it marketable. To listen to the what the readers want and what they what they're saying. So that's a that's a, that's a good that's a valid point. Um, so how would you describe your books to someone who has not read any of your previous novels before? You have I believe you have three series out, right? Yeah, so we've got um, I've got two that are out right now, and um, or sorry, one that's out right now, which is the Alex Landon crime thriller series, and that's centered around a detective named Alex Landon. Uh, the second series, uh, which comes out in uh, in November, launches on November nineteenth, is the Saint Michael thriller series, and that one is centered around a a priest uh, named Michael Thomas. And then there's going to be a, a third series launching in uh, just a couple months, um, and eventually they'll they're, they're all in parallel or the the same universe, uh, same timeline, different characters. And I think there's going to be some tremendous opportunity as as all this progresses for them to eventually, occasionally cross over and intertwine for for a book or two here or there. But um, I I, I for the folks who've never seen the website or or never never heard of me, uh, I think only about eight people have. There. So, effectively, uh, I, I try to write uh, really authentic. Um, publishers refer to it as hard-boiled crime. Um, I think just because of the 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 harsh reality that I, I do depict, and as I as I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to really effectively strike a balance between. You know, letting readers see what life is really like for the investigators and uh, the victims and their families, and still putting a, a product together that's that's palatable. That I, I really think, um, for the most part, people, uh, uh, crime readers, uh, citizens in general, they there's only so much I think of, of the harsh reality that they really want to really want to see and want to want to be exposed to, and. Um, from my perspective, I really think that part of uh, part of my job, part of our job as, as as cops, is to try to prevent as much of that reality 
from entering everyone else's world as possible. Yeah, and then the, are you saying that the 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 crossover world uh, point of it? That's that's really cool. I could imagine like Michael Connolly when you have uh, Ricky Bosch and his uh, half brother, <laughs> the Lincoln lawyer, if you remember his name, that he keep popping up in each other's novels. That's, that's a yeah. cool aspect that you'll that, that you'll be able to do with your series. Now, is this set in a in an actual city, or is it, is it a uh, a city that you've made up? Yeah, so the 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 Alex Landon series, um, because that one is is based very closely on on my own work and my partner's work and, and our cases. Um, that one is set in a fictional city, and so I I didn't want to uh, didn't want to give you know too much blame or too much credit to any any particular police department or organization or, or you know anybody that was out there. Uh, working the working the streets right now, and so I created a, a fictional city that's located on the on the far west side of the the Phoenix metro area uh, called Dry Creek, uh, which is effectively just about every creek in that part of the world is dry. So it worked out really well. Um, but they're uh, they're basically facing the same realities in in Dry Creek that um, any other police agency in Arizona and. Central Arizona and uh, especially Phoenix Metro, we're looking at with you know high rates of um, of drug trafficking, of you know even the uh, drug related violence, um, you know, a lot of the the same issues with uh, even just uh, basic everyday violence um, escalating on the streets when the heat index gets above 100. Uh, there is a a very strong correlation between assault rates and temperature, um, and you know that's a, that's a huge problem when you live in a concrete jungle. So, um, yeah, so I've tried to put Dry Creek in a in a setting that's uh, very realistic, and I've even uh, uh, made sure that all the addresses or all the locations in Dry Creek uh, coordinate with the overall Phoenix Metro address system. So. Someday, uh, even though it doesn't exist right now, someday someone's probably going to build something at the same address to one of my locations, and I'm going to have to have to try to figure out how to deal with that in 15 <laughs> or 20 years. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. So even though you're making up the whole area, you're still trying to be accurate with the locations and the addresses and, and putting time to research that. That's pretty that's interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like for my readers to have a hard time deciding what's fiction and what's reality. Um, and uh, so, with like with the forthcoming series, uh, the the Saint Michael series, um, that one we're placing in in all uh, real locations um, around the world. Um, there's only a couple places that uh, the characters spend a whole lot of time that are the the city is. Are, are all real, um, and they're based on some real locations. But, you know, for example, the, the family ranch that the main character grows up on is, is entirely fictionalized, but the archdiocese that, you know, he uh, he attends and eventually has to answer some questions to them, uh, that's a, a very real, very real place in Albuquerque. And so this is uh, the Absolver of Rome. That's uh, the one that's coming up in November 19th. That is, yeah. The um, we're uh, incredibly, incredibly excited about it. I, 
I feel like it's probably the most original story I've ever written. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to getting, uh, some reader feedback on it. And I'd really, uh, really like to see this become a, a very long-term series. Oh, and so the, the, like the investigator here is, uh, is the previous, part of Michael Thomas. Yeah, it's, um, I've, um, I guess if, if, if I had to try to, try to sum it up in, in one short sentence, which I'm not good at, uh, you may have noticed I'm a little long, but, um, if, if I had to sum it up in, 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 in just a, a quick synopsis, um, it, it's effectively the, the story of a, of a priest who's, uh, kind of has a, a bit of a crisis, um, and is forced to question the, uh, what are the limits of of moral violence and justified self defense and justified defense of another? And in writing it, I've tried really hard to blend all of my favorite elements from some of my favorite uh, characters and franchises. Um, so you know, readers who are familiar with these other series might you know recognize that you know there's some elements of Harry Bosch in there and some elements of Jason Bourne and uh, some Robert Langdon and even even some Dexter from the TV show. Um, and I think it's going to be really, uh, a really original and, and very interesting ride. And I think it's really, um, this guy's having to face a lot of the same questions and a lot of the same dilemmas that I think have faced uh, mankind since we first learned to turn a stick into a club. And you know what? What are our obligations to ourselves and to each other when uh, when we've been wronged? Yeah, so that's fascinating. I, I really like your cover too for the Absolver. It's a cool cover. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I owe a tremendous debt of gratitude. I got um, uh, got picked up uh, last year by uh, Tim Flanagan of Cyanide Publishing. So I I have to give him a hundred percent credit. For for that cover, I had absolutely nothing to do with it except approving it. Um, but Tim does a fantastic, fantastic job. Uh, he's done all of our uh, all the covers and all the publications, and I've been exceptionally grateful to to have made his acquaintance and, and been working with him. So it's yeah, the, he did a did a great job on that. It was he made it really hard to pick the cover. Actually, they were three he sent over, and I. I told him I wanted all three. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good problem to have. <laughs> it, it is. It's a very nice problem to have. Yeah. So now, um, so obviously you use a lot of, um, you already uh, mentioned about uh, using things that you've experienced in your life as a police officer. And what about your own personality? Does that, does that make it to any of your characters? Yeah, I, I think I... I'm sure more of it makes them than I realize. Um, <laughs> my my intent um, is, is to try to, just as I'm I'm blending stories to to try to uh, I guess camouflage some of the origin of the crimes or the the victims and and some of the things that happen with my the crime series. I, I try diligently to do the same thing with characters. So, for example, um, you know, if somebody were to were to look at one of the primary antagonists in the Alex Landon series, um, there they should see a combination of personalities if they really looked at it. Um, if they if they knew me, knew where I worked, and knew the guys I worked with, 
none of them will directly correlate to, to any one character. And I've tried to do the same thing um, uh, when when folks uh, first get introduced to the series. It's, it's pretty common for them to wonder, because I'm writing based on my own experiences, if uh, the detective is based on me, if, if Alex Landon is supposed to be some semblance of me and, and he's not. Um, he's you know somebody that we, we share a lot of experiences uh, and we've seen and done a lot of the same things, but I, I intentionally try to write him to be better than I am um, from a, I guess, just a general humanitarian perspective. Um, and so I try to, I try to blend uh, different personalities that I've worked with or met, uh, even from the criminals that I've, I've arrested and interacted with or used as informants over the years. None of them directly get to be dropped into a book. Um, you know, the pieces of them are in different places, even, you know, uh, with rare exception, even the worst criminals generally are not all bad people. Um, there's you know, some light in them generally. So for the most part, none of the none of the bad guys get to be all bad and none of the good guys get to be all good. I try to make it a little a little more a little more authentic than that. And so what's your writing process like? Uh, do you like um, uh, outline everything before you start to write? Um, you know, it's uh, so the Absolver is, is publication number eight. Um, and uh, when I first started writing the original book, um, it's got to be uh, 730 some pages and like 184,000 words <laughs> before. Wow. <laughs> it, it was, um, it was a, a mammoth, uh, mammoth paperweight. And, um, so that got broken up into two books, um, Enemies Domestic, which was the first publication. And then, uh, the second half of that original got broken up and made into Enemies Foreign. Um, so the process when I first started writing that book, uh, was effectively that I kind of had a general idea of where I was going to go, but I was a little bit more of a pantser. So I would really just write whatever I felt like writing that day. I didn't necessarily have a, a goal or objective in mind. It was just I feel like writing a, you know, this the hostage scene, so I'm going to do that today, um, regardless of the order of the chapter. And over time... Uh, my writing process has become very much um, focused on on an outline, um, and so when it took me writing on and off with no real goal in mind and, and kind of a pantser mentality of writing what I want when I want, it took me seven years front to back from the first word to publication of Enemies Domestic, and fast forward. I guess, uh, 18 months. And last November, um, we had just published uh, Enemies Foreign, uh, like November 14th or something. And uh, about a week later, I was in a went to a, a writing retreat with uh, Derek Murphy and met some fantastic authors there. And in that week, I showed up um, to stay in, in his borrowed castle in Austria. And I showed up on Sunday with an outline, and I celebrated Saturday night with a complete first draft. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, the the process for me has evolved, 
you know, almost 180 degrees. And it's pretty rare anymore that I'll really do much without putting an outline together first. Um, while I've been working on the absolver, and, you know, this, uh, I guess, you know, just the process for me is, I don't know if it's going to just continue to change for my whole writing career, if it's just still not settled. Uh, but while I was working on the absolver and getting the, the draft ready, um, I started using a, a new software called Shakespeare, and I had never never run into it before, I guess, about three, four months ago. And that software allowed me to very easily work on um, effectively five, uh, six books at once. So while I was typing the absolver, I would it would occur to me that some detail um, or a conversation would become important in a later book, and I could go ahead and easily jump over to that and make a quick note, a quick outline, quick chapter details. And so by the time that I got the Absolver draft finished, I had somewhere between, I think the smallest book is probably about 2,500 words up to about 12,000 words done on another six books in this series. So um, the process is still evolving. I, I really, I've really enjoyed writing the Absolver. Um, and the process I used for that more than anything else. So I think probably going forward, I'm going to be really diligent if I, whenever I'm writing a series, I think, to, to try to keep those those details consistent. And, and I'll probably, probably keep plugging along and, and at least putting pieces into additional novels, even as I'm working on you know the, today's draft. Well, that's fascinating about that software because I, did, I I heard about it for the first time myself a couple months ago. So it's, it's cool to see that you actually use Shakespeare and, and it helped you out uh, with your with your practice. Uh, looks like it's a really cool software, but I have I haven't used it myself. Yeah, I've been really really happy with it. I I did everything in Word until oh man, probably last. January, February, and another uh, author friend of mine, uh, Vivian Kaith, uh, she turned me to Scrivener and talked me into into supporting that. And I think uh, I'm I'm really um, my 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 dad makes fun of me that uh, there's I never have time to do something right, but I've always got time to do something twice. And so um, uh, part of part of that kind of in, infects my 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 writing process and that you know when I got Scrivener it's to me a, a somewhat intuitive but still a pretty detailed program and and so I never put the time in to really become proficient with it um, you know I, I went through the tutorial and saw the whiz bang stuff and was really impressed went ahead and bought it and then never used any of it so I quickly forgot how to how to use anything more than the basic processing and um when I looked at Shakespeare, that is so totally intuitive to me anyway. It it works very well with the way that my process and my brain work and the, the user interface is much more friendly to me. Um the you know, I'm still working on getting the, the export function down where I it, it puts out the product that I want as a draft. Um but I'm I'm exceptionally happy with it, and I'm uh, I'll be surprised if I use anything else. 
And so when you start writing, do you set your do you set goals for yourself, like uh, uh, word count goals or anything like that, to to keep yourself uh, on track? No, I I I really need to, um, but I, I guess kind of for unconventional reasons. Um, I have a I guess maybe an overactive imagination hanging over from when I was a kid. Um, and it's really easy for me to disappear into creative fantasy land. Um, it's much more common that I'll get up and I'm, I usually, uh, I'm usually out cycling or, um, sitting down typing by 5.30 or 6 in the morning. And it's not uncommon for me to look up from typing and realize it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I didn't eat today. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I don't tend to struggle with writer's block. I, I tend to struggle with, you know, um, lodging myself away from the keyboard and back into reality um, for, for any length of time during the day. And it's, um, I think the, the whole writing process and the whole creative um, outlet on this is, is still new enough that um you know it's it's like i get to get to go to recess every time i sit down at the keyboard and you know so it's it's much harder for me to break away and go do real life stuff than it is to come back and and, and step into fantasy land yeah that must especially be nice for someone uh like you who works such a stressful job as a, as a police officer to kind of escape into that because looking at your bio i mean you've done He's done just about everything in the, as a police officer, like patrol, narcotics, undercover, uh, counterterrorism. It's uh, pretty amazing. Uh, so it must be nice to just uh, diffuse it, <laughs> take it all out in writing. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a, a really good creative outlet, um, and that's you know when when I f- uh, when I first started enemies domestic, that was really all it was um, was with me trying to. Get some some angst and some frustration out. It was a, a pretty pretty tough time in, in my life with the injury and and uh, just the realities of of work and a you know really um, I guess a target rich environment would be the, the positive way to say it. Um, and so to be able to sit down and, and disappear into that into that slightly altered reality um, is is very therapeutic and. Um, you know, for me, there's really nothing better that I can do for myself mentally than, you know, go put, you know, 30 miles on the bike and type or, you know, go, go run a few miles, um, hit some desert trails, come back and type like, um, doing, uh, keeping that mixed in is a pretty regular part of my, uh, part of my schedule really, really does make a noticeable difference for me and how I'm able to adjust and, and, uh, deal with everything else going on in life. And so do you still find time uh, to read or are you too busy with everything going on? Well, I, I still try to, uh, I still try to, uh, to read as much as I can. I, I'm a, definitely a reader first. Um, if, if I had, if I had to make the choice between the two, absolutely. I, I would rather read than write, but um, thankfully I <laughs> don't have to do that. Um, but I, I still read quite a lot, um, and lately I've been reading a lot of research, um, getting ready uh, to 
they're trying to rate the the absolver as a um, as a as an authentic possibility. Um, so I've been reading a lot of nonfiction on on uh, related topics. Um, for thrillers, I've actually been been bringing through a lot of Brad Thor um, of late. Um, I just finished his uh, Spy Master and uh, stepped into um, into the last Patriot, I guess, a week ago, um, and been reading that on and off. Um, and it's largely been a, a, a mix of thrillers and nonfiction. Um, probably the best. Nonfiction I've read recently is um, a book called Boston and the American Revolution. Um, it's uh, uh, written it's by a uh, local historian from Boston, and she does a fantastic job of laying down um, all the all the key personalities and key people um, in that uh, leading in the years leading up to the revolution. And um, you know, it, it reads like a reads like a fiction novel. It's it's really impressive. Oh, that sounds fascinating. I, I like his history books. I want to check that out. <laughs> we're, we're done with the call. Um, so, what are your uh, what are your future projects now? Are you like uh, you between projects now because you got the the book coming out, or are you already dived into the next next book? Yeah, I'm I'm already uh, already into the into the next, and um, I think I finished finished the absorber draft on. Um, it's already a blur. It feels like it was a Monday, <laughs> and I think I probably I was probably already working on the next project by Wednesday. Um, but I've um, I'm working on right now on putting together uh, some very specific marketing pieces um, for for the absolver to create a couple couple different reader funnels um, on Amazon, and then also for an email subscriber list. Um, so I'm writing a, a short story that uh, I've tentatively titled The Confession of Father Michael, um, which would be based on or be about uh, the main character from the Resolver series, and just a, a short, probably 20-25 page story of uh, some tragedy that befalls people close to him and how he handles that. And then I think the next book that I'm probably going to Probably going to work on is is book number two in the Absolver series. Um, probably only because um, this being such a new series, I, I would like to try to give it the best chance of uh, of a quicker success and readers being able to more quickly follow up with the, the second book. We've already got uh, seven uh, publications in the Alex Landon series, so I, I feel like I can let that one sit for at least a few months. Um, before working on the the next book, and I, I think uh, for any one of the five readers who've been following my series so far, um, I think they're going to be really excited to see um, that next Alex Landon book and how that um, I think is going to very effectively tie off some some long term works that have been haunting that series. Um, so I, I'm really excited to to get that one tied up, and then then we'll see what's next for uh, Detective Landon. Yeah, I noticed that from your website. You have a, a, a really cool. Um, uh, if people want to check out your work, they can download uh, the Alex Madden Starter Library for free on your website, uh, GavinReese.com, which I find that's a pretty cool way to introduce people to your writing. 
Yeah, that was um, – it actually started out um, as a uh, – it was it's three – uh, three chapters from from different publications uh, that I intend to make full uh, full novels at some point in the in the series. Um, but I, we wanted to put something out, especially as an unknown author. Um, nobody knows who Kevin Reese is. Um, so when people are looking at at Amazon or at Facebook, and you know this pops up, um, you know there's really very little incentive for for people to trade their their hard earned time and money. Uh, taking a risk on an unknown author, and especially you know, with the way that, for all the, the tremendous benefits of, of uh, independent and self-publishing, there are um, unfortunately a, a lot of folks that um, that are putting out work that's that's not not really uh, well edited or not really well put together, um, and you know, so readers are I, I think running into that. Enough that it makes them cautious. Um, where you know, 10, 15 years ago, that probably wasn't the case. Um, on the plus side, it obviously makes things uh, a whole lot easier for people to get into publishing uh, and for stories that deserve to be told um, to be told authentically and, and by the people who deserve to tell them. So it's it's a real double-edged sword. But uh, I tell you all that to tell you this. Um, so we put that together. Um, to give readers a, a sample of what my writing style was like and what the stories and the structure would be like so that, you know, they could trade, you know, a, a few minutes, a couple hours of their time. And um, I think it's, I think it was like 99 cents on Amazon or if you if you sign up on that email uh, subscription list, um, that one's still free. So it was an easy way for folks to um, to basically try out my writing style and find out if it's something that they would would enjoy before they, you know, invested, uh, you know, the price of a full book or, you know, five or ten hours into something that they, they may not like. So I'm, I was really excited to put it together and to do it. Yeah, and are you also active on uh, social media? I see your, your Facebook and Twitter and all the, all the usual haunts where people can find you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've got, um, yeah, the Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we have, uh, we have uh, an Instagram account that, um, we don't use all that much. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be the, the place to reach me if you had an urgent question. You know, certainly don't, don't go to Instagram to call me to come over to put out a fire at your house because it will burn down before I see that you need help. Um, but uh, yeah, so we have uh, people can reach us through the through the website uh, GavinReese.com and then uh, through uh, the the bigger social media outlets, I guess. So before I let you go, do you have any advice for aspiring writers? I know we have a few of our listeners uh, are aspiring writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think, you know, at least from, from my perspective and, and my 10 minutes of writing experience, um, you know, there's, uh, it, it's been told to me that there, there are a million different ways to climb the mountain. And, you know, I, I'm certainly still very, very low on the totem pole and still figuring out how to how to put one foot in front of the other, but um, to, to me, the the biggest thing that this has brought about is, is really a, knowing that it's it's okay to tell an authentic story, and that I think more than anything else, if you were if you were telling something that is true, that's going to matter a lot more 
And if you're telling something that is true and that you believe in, then you're also going to tell a better story. And you're going to write better characters. And you're going to have better plots and better arcs. And if you personally believe in what you're doing and are writing something that you enjoy, even if no one but your mom and your sister buy it, at least you're going to have something that you're proud of and that has been an accomplishment and it will probably be a good stepping stone. Um, someone I met uh, last year uh, pointed out that, in, in their opinion, the, the first million words are practice. Um, I heard a little while before that that it takes a decade of work to become an overnight success. And I think that's something, especially in in our current social environment, our current social culture, there's such a disproportionate emphasis, in my opinion, on instant gratification and instant feedback and instant success, when in reality, there are exceptionally few people who are truly overnight successes. Um, you know, the, the band that you fall in love with, they probably put out five studio albums before they are really making a living as a band. And, and they probably played together for 10 or 12 or 18 years before that, working small clubs and venues. And I know of very few, I, I know no writers personally who are instantly successful off of their, off of their first book. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's one of the things, I guess, that has been the biggest eye-opener for me is how the, the publishing business uh, is so very different from what I expected in the book selling business. And you really do have to treat this as any other small business. So if you want to be a writer, Harper Lee, you probably need to plan on writing more than one book. <laughs> um, and you need to plan on putting in time and putting in actual money into some form of investment, whether it's through you know, the publishing process, whether it's through paying for editors and cover designers, paying for professionals to help really polish your story into into what's going to be marketable and favorable and give you the best outcome for all of the hard work you put in. Um, it is surprising to me that the number of hours it takes, even, you know, as I, I talk about, you know, being able to, having written that first draft in a week, um, you know, that's still probably 75 hours went into that book. So when someone gets it on on uh, their Kindle for, I think it's uh, $2.99 right now. Um, so that's pennies per hour um, that, that I personally put into it. So, um, you know, you, you have to put together a, a product that's that's good and at least good and probably great. And when you go back to the drawing board and polish. Um, one of the things that, that kind of helps me with that, keep a good perspective on all that is I, I can't remember, as I'm telling the story now, I can't remember uh, which Ernest Hemingway book it was. I, I want to say it's a movable feast, but I, I think I heard that he rewrote it like 40 times, which is just amazing because you know, he was doing it on a typewriter. But uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, having to you know move that one sentence, change that one word, you're at least changing a whole page, maybe a whole chapter at that point. So you you've really got to want it, right? Um, but I, I think that you know for 
um, for folks probably to just overall have a more realistic outlook of what the business is and what the effort is that's required. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, Hunter S. Thompson, right? It's writing is easy. All you do is sit down at the keys and bleed. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's been a, a fantastic experience so far. Uh, it's been a whole lot of work, uh, truly blood, sweat, and tears. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about what the, what the future looks like and what, um, even the successes that we've, we've enjoyed so far. I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for, for folks that are, um, that are in, enjoying the work and have, have feedback. And I even appreciate the, the criticism. I do, I do still read the reviews and I do still, uh, try to very closely take all of the readers' thoughts into, uh, into consideration and see how I can, you know, the things that are legitimate criticism on what I can work on and the things that probably we just need to agree to disagree. All right. Yeah, that's good. That's fantastic. Have a little patience there. Uh, it's so important. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking to us uh, about your process and your writing. Uh, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun and very interesting talking to you. Well, I greatly appreciate the opportunity, Alan. I, I'm really grateful to, to be able to get in front of your fans and um, hoping to be back uh, be back sometime soon with uh, hopefully the next series and we'll see what uh, what we can do. I'd love to get you know, any feedback and if you guys um, want to get uh, communication over to me, I'll be happy to answer questions or help out where I can. All right, and GavinReese.com is probably the best uh, place to find you? Yes, by far. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. I'd like to ask you to please review and rate this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out. If you take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that, it would be much appreciated. You can also visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for show notes on this episode, as well as information about the uh, podcast in general. And you can also sign up for my mailing list there. You'll be getting uh, special offers from our guests as well as information uh, behind the scenes information on the podcast and uh, please do visit my author website at alanpeterson.com i appreciate your support and so until next episode i will talk to you then